Kaiju Network's commentary on 1963's King Kong vs. Godzilla. And you might be saying, Kent, King Kong vs. Godzilla was released in 1962. Ah, yes, you are correct. But we are yes. commentating on the American edit of this movie, which came out a year later in the good old Western Hemisphere and these United States and Canada. So here we are. We are covering it. It is our continuing run-up to... Godzilla vs. Kong, which as of this day is 11 days uh, away. Uh, man, that's you know just a hair over a week and a and half I, at this point. And I got my advance uh, tickets to see that in theaters here right on the and By the way, day. I am your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other co-host. Jason, what's going on? So, yeah, here we are. Um, by the way, before we continue on, I want to horn myself out for a moment in that for Daikaiju Fest here in a few months, I will be doing a commentary on the Japanese edit of King Kong vs. Godzilla. In that commentary, you'll want to check it out. I go into some pretty decent depth about how this film came about and I kind of go into some of the production and some of the ideas that were being floated around as far as how to put this particular film together. I also do talk a little bit about how the American edit came together too. I don't dive in too much into that simply because uh, I knew we were doing this mm -hmm. and I kind of wanted to save some of that. But then at the same time too, um, there isn't a ton uh, to talk about here other than the fact, yeah, uh, American distributors got it, decided they didn't care too much about the Japanese cut, and edited it. And so it, there's nothing as overly exciting about it. There's a couple little things that I will mention here that I will sort of repeat um, in the Japanese commentary a few months from now. But you'll definitely want to check out that commentary for Daikaiju Fest. Uh, it is probably one of the better commentaries that we have done in quite some time i'm very proud of it yeah. so and that's um, going to be coming up on the second week of july daikaiju fest 2 yes yeah, so tell all your friends about it bring some popcorn and your wallets no <laughs> well hello to you as well zegra 71 thanks for joining howdy <laughs> howdy so um Unless you got something else to bring up, Jason, we will just go ahead and get going. Oh, by the way, I wanted to let everyone know we are using this version of the movie. Um, I do have the Criterion set, but I don't know if it's set up the exact same way as this or not. I'm assuming it is, but because Jason doesn't have that set, um, yep. um, I just decided just to be safe, um, use use this one instead so that's what we're using yeah and i think it's been maybe a a couple of years since the last time i watched this and and that was probably the first time since we reviewed it years ago like towards the beginning this is an ongoing <laughs> trend with you last time i saw this particular version was at some point last summer with my son because after covid hit and um he had to stay home and all that he and i for quite a while every other night we were watching kaiju movies that he had not seen and this was one of them and so it's been not quite a year but maybe eight nine months or so at max that i've last seen it i watched this quite a bit too growing up so i'm pretty familiar with it as well mm -hmm. yes same same for me as well with that uh infamous blue vhs cover that we yeah. had many many years ago yeah 
But I guess without further ado, for anyone who is not familiar with our commentaries, I will count down from three. I will go three, two, one, go. When I say go, boom, we'll do that. The thing is, though, is with this particular Blu-ray, um, unless you go to the menus when you hit the pop-up button, it will automatically start. So j both Jason and I have it paused right at the two-second mark, like just as the film is getting ready to start. So um, – Take a moment if you have to pause and sync up your Blu-ray. Basically, you just hit pause as soon as it starts. So are you ready? Well, let me get to the menu here. All right, I'm at the play. All right, so here we go. Again, when I say go, that's when we hit play. Three, two, one, go. All right, let's get this commentary cam on. Oh, you got the FYE exclusive steelbook? When'd you get that? For uh, Zegra 71. I think I may have heard something about that. Of course, you get the Americans who are casted first. Michael Keith, Harry Holcomb, and James Yagi. James Yagi, by the way, appeared in a fifth season episode of The Twilight Zone. So you got that a while ago, huh? Nice. Was there anything in particular with that steel book? Like, did it come with a booklet? I'm assuming that it probably did. And Thomas Montgomery here was hired by John Beck to do the editing for the Americanization of this film. Musical supervisor Paul Zinner, of course, replaced every single piece of... Ifuku Bay music minus the Faro Island dance. <laughs> Most of the music, of course, the stock music from 1954's Creature from the Black Lagoon, which I have to say, maybe part of it is just because I've seen this movie, this particular version, so many times. Mm -hmm. It kind of works. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Honda on some level would have appreciated the beginning here simply because he was a pacifist and would have enjoyed seeing the United Nations building. Maybe not so much Michael Keith here, but <laughs> I'm sure he's seen the the American version. Oh, I'm sure he did. Now, this exposition stuff it was very prominent with a lot of um, American monster movies of the time. I mean, it wasn't just something that they did with some of the Japanese uh, tokusatsu films, but they did it an awful lot with their own films. If you just go back and you watch a number of these classic science fiction movies, both A pictures and B pictures, you'll find quite a few films that have these exposition dumps. Uh, why? I don't know. Maybe part of it was because it was a means of saving money. Um, it, because be it, meant, thing, yeah. it meant you were able to pad out the film a little bit if your story uh, didn't have a whole lot of substance to make it long enough for a feature film. Um, another thing is maybe <laughs> they thought their audience was stupid or something. I don't know. But um, for this particular film – these exposition dumps uh again i grew up with this film and it's hard for me to hate on 
the American at it too much because I do have a little bit of nostalgia for it. But as I've gotten older and I've been more perceptive of it, the, at least when we start off here and we kind of see it further into the film too, although much less than what we do here at the beginning, there is a lot of exposition dump about certain things that don't matter to the story. Like we just had the Chilean um, correspondent talk about an earthquake in Chile. What the hell does that have to do with the film? Nothing. But yet, for whatever reason, they thought it was worth putting in. Mm -hmm. And then here, too, when he's talking about the Soma Berries, this film with these exposition scenes occasionally sort of foreshadow certain things that are about to come, which unfortunately um, I think sort of spoils the movie for the viewer a tad bit, especially if this was like your first time seeing it. But then at the same time, too, I almost consider it a slap in the face to the viewer as well, considering that, again, I almost think they thought was maybe not too bright on picking up certain cues in the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Zero 71 was saying that uh, he didn't open that Steelbook book version of the King Conference Godzilla uh, <laughs> thing just, just for collector's purpose. And he also has mentioned that he's got the the Gamera Arrow video collection. Uh, I do too. Do you have the uh, collection that's all in one um, case? It's got the the Dark Horse comics and the behind the scenes book as well. Those went by very fast. I think there were yeah. only like a very small few by the time it was officially released in late July last mm -hmm. year. But the other interesting thing about this film was that it originally wasn't supposed to have Godzilla nor be made by Toho. And the project actually began uh, with the story outline devised by uh, Willis H. O'Brien. Which I do he, cover this. Yeah, which he wanted to uh, have King Kong battle it out against the Frankenstein monster and uh, gave that outline to uh, John Beck for development. But, of course, he went behind O'Brien's back and gave uh, the project to Toho and replaced the Frankenstein monster with Godzilla without O'Brien's knowledge. Which is a bit and I go into further depth about in this. Ways. <laughs> I go into further depth about this on the, excuse me, the Japanese cut, mm. and more or less Beck did shop this thing around. Toho wasn't the first studio; he shopped it around several other countries, including Italy, and eventually he did come to Toho, and Toho was like, "Okay, well, you want the Kong rights? Kong was one of the inspirations for us to create Godzilla, and we want." our titan to face him it's going to be one of the greatest things ever we love kong we want our hand at kong so give us the license for five years uh we're going to scrap the prometheus or frankenstein monster creature and throw in godzilla so mm -hmm. yeah and zero one responded that he, did, he didn't get the uh that big gamera collection he said oh. it was too, too expensive for him at that time Understandable. And he, and he also yeah. says that he loves the legendary Wolfman for Godzilla. Yeah, um, seen several parts of it. I don't think Nakajima's uh, like released it because I think, of course, you know, he worked for Toho and you know, obviously all the licensing and all that involved. I know he's 
at least shown some video footages of it. He has, from yeah. From time to time on Facebook. And then, of course, the first time we've heard about it, I think it was our first or second year at G-Fest many years ago. Yeah. It was, our, it was at least our second year. No. Third, I think. Well, I think they mentioned think about it maybe either the first or second year with just some photos and all that. And then the the next year, Jeremillo actually Mark brought – Mark Jeremillo? Yeah, Jeremillo. He actually brought uh, uh, what's Nakajima? Yeah, Nakajima over <laughs> to the oh states and uh, showed the the film there. One of the things that I really want to give this particular edit a compliment on is the dub. I will say that the dub to this uh, is pretty darn good. I don't know if if this film gets enough credit for just even that. Uh, However, I have to say that we're coming up on the submarine Seahawk here. I do find it funny that they even redubbed those um, those Oh crap! I just forget. Why am I always forgetting words on this podcast? They they redubbed over the the shipman there, uh, which I find funny because if you watch the original Japanese cut, um, most of the actors there, including the captain, they don't have high voices. It's not like hi, I'm Mickey Mouse. It's not like that, but they have they don't have the stereotypical John Wayne man's man deep voice, and so they decided, hey. We got to show that our men are men. So we're going to redub our guys here to make them sound more tough and John Wayne like. And I just thought, man, it's such a stupid dick measuring contest. That was so <laughs> unnecessary. And it's so funny because I never knew that until I did see the Japanese cut of this film like 11 years ago. But the one I really like is all oh, you and your corns. Yeah, which is not even a thing in the Japanese cut. <laughs> yeah. And I know the little inside theory that we sort of had since after watching Godzilla raids again and then combining with this sort of thought that this was the same Godzilla that was buried under all that ice from Godzilla raids again. It is. In the iceberg, yeah. It is, yeah. Well, for for the long time that we thought about it until that actually came true. And Zegra 71 wrote down here, my favorite gigantic series Godzilla was the 62 Godzilla. And I have that one in Mechagodzilla 74 one. I have pre-ordered Megalon 30 centimeter figure. Well, I, I've got the uh, the King Goji uh, NECA figure right on my shelf just behind me here. I got that too, and then I gave it to my son. We do get some 
cool miniature sets here. I mean, the whole submarine and being stuck in the iceberg and all that. Subaraya did well here. I do love this particular Godzilla design. Definitely more reptilian. And this will be kind of the last time up until maybe the 84 film um, in which the Godzilla suit does not uh, contour um, better to the suit actor's body because starting in the next film, Mothra versus Godzilla, Godzilla gets trimmed down significantly and more or less the suit fits Nakajima and then later suit actors in the 70s after mm. um, his last role as playing Godzilla in Godzilla versus Gigan in 72. Yeah, this one is still a little bit bulky, mainly down to lower uh, area of the suit. But and I love that because um, quite it slimmer. looks more animalian. Um, this particular version 2, at least for the time, according to paleontology at the time, which we now know is scientifically inaccurate, uh, this you know, was sort of their idea of what dinosaurs or at least theropod predator dinosaurs looked like, that they stood upright like humans and they dragged their tails uh, along the ground. And I love the face of this Godzilla as well. From the head on, like if he's looking straight at you, I always thought it looked kind of goofy because it looked really yeah. wide and sort of is misshapen sort and of oblong. Triangular in a way. Yeah. But um, from the side, I always loved it. It, it definitely looks more dinosaurian and it just it looks more like an actual creature. Mm-hmm. These guys were redubbed too uh, from the Japanese cut, and even then, they were dubbed in the Japanese cut. So these guys were dubbed twice. <laughs> and Zegra seventy one responds, he kind of looks like a muppet. Which one? I'm guessing uh, the sixty two Godzilla. I'm assuming that's the case. Head on, I will say yes. <laughs> and then maybe, course, the maybe if you move it around, it gets serious. Yeah, he says, yeah. Yeah, head on, I will agree with that. The body, though, when he like flaps and he does the clack, clack, clack with his arms, which I always love that about what Nakajima, this is Haru Nakajima, did with this particular Godzilla. Uh, because even though. Nakajima and some of these future films will end up making Godzilla more anthropomorphic. Like in Sea Monster, he'll rub his nose uh, at one point. What I love about what he does with this Godzilla is that when Godzilla is proud of himself, he'll clack his arms. Mm -hmm. And that's never done again at all, ever in this series. And I really love that idiosyncrasy because sure, in a in its own way, it anthropomorphizes Godzilla, but it's something, too, that I think brings another dimension to the personality of this specific Godzilla. And I always found it saddening and a little disappointing that he never continued that aspect of Godzilla moving forward. Mm -hmm. Now, here's another cool set. Sadly, I will say it is at least with the tanks, it does look pretty obvious that they're like remote control tanks, but you know, they yeah. tried. But with Godzilla out in the sea like that coming towards, yeah, it looked pretty realistic in a way. 
Yeah. Now, in the Japanese cut, the Godzilla theme plays here, and the sequence plays out longer. What we'll see here in a moment is some of this footage being played on Mr. Taco's TV set. It's not like that in the Japanese cut. Those scenes are full-fledged scenes in the Japanese edit. Um I'm sort of torn between which particular version of this sequence I like more, whether it's the Japanese or this American edit. And again, part of it is because I've seen this version a heck of a lot more. I'm used to it. Um, mm -hmm. But there is something to be said about uh, the Godzilla theme being played during it. But, you know, I, I, both are good and bad. Uh, I do think the absence of music makes it seem a bit more hor horrifying in a way, I guess. Um, but then at the same time with the Japanese edit with Godzilla's theme, you kind of, you know, get this welling up of being a Godzilla fan. Like, oh, yeah, he's arrived. That sort of thing going. <laughs> <laughs> Kaboom! <laughs> I really like uh, Ichiro Arashima, who plays as Mr. Taco. Well, yeah, um, he and a number of other cast members are from the Salaryman comedies, which were very popular in Toho at the time. And really, um, and I go in uh, into further depth on this with my King Kong versus Godzilla Japanese edit commentary, in which this is the first film on many things. And I'm not going to go into depth because I want you guys to check out that commentary here in a few months. But um, this is also the first and really only Godzilla film that is technically considered a comedy. Hmm. Because that's kind of how it was written. Um, that's kind of what Toho wanted. A number of the uh, cast members, including Taro Takashima, who is top build in the Japanese edit of this film. Uh, he came from those films. Uh, Ichiro Arishima, like Jason said, uh, comes from that film as well. And I forget the actor's name who is Takashima's sidekick in here, who in the American edit complains about his corns. But he comes oh, from those uh... films um, yeah, Yu uh, Fujuki. Yu Fujuki. Who plays as uh, Kensabudo uh, Furu. Furue, or, yeah. Sorry if it I'm It sounds like in the American name. edit, he's called Buru. Yeah, it's F U R U E. Watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So here's something that we're getting to that um, I remember seeing in a particular publication whose name I will not mention uh, within the last year. Um, you get Japanese people playing natives in blackface. And this particular publication was kind of, you know, more or less in a fake way. Um, accusing non-existent fans of potentially or eventually canceling in cancer culture terms uh this film and while many of us 
say that, yes, what the Japanese did here in terms of turning themselves into blackface was a wrong thing to do, to just simply assume that a segment of the kaiju fandom here in the States anyways would cancel this film out uh, is just dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, what they did was wrong. I would say, but- I would say to hell with them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what they did here was wrong, but guess what? A lot of American films at this same time and decades before were doing the same thing. So, you know, <laughs> it was it wrong? Yes, but everybody else was doing it too. So, This chief here, he plays a ship's captain at the beginning of 1960s uh, – or 61s, excuse me, uh, Mothra. He's only in it for like two minutes, and that's about it. Sounds like he always says freedom of talk beyond me. Like, <laughs> Don't do battle. And that is his actual voice, of course. I think most of you obviously picked up on that, but of course they didn't have anyone else just dub, you know, some weird gibberish or whatever in his stead. Yeah. But yeah, I can really definitely see that uh, comedy intention when it comes to this movie. And there's some things involving Godzilla and Kong that were intentionally done, too. Again, I'm not going to go into further detail about that because I want all of you guys to have your two eyes paying attention to my commentary at 2021's Daikaiju Fest in July. (laughs) This whole commentary is going to be one ongoing ad for 2021's Daikaiju Fest. And also, I just want to say to uh, like and and subscribe if you want to – Keep up to date on what we're doing uh, in the upcoming days, weeks, as far as commentaries and as well as discussions. And uh, you can also uh, you can find us on uh, video streams such as YouTube, Twitch, uh, D Live, Facebook, and Periscope. And you can find our audio versions of our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. (laughs) Inhale the carcinogens. (laughs) Get lung cancer in the long run. This movie probably would not be shown on network television because of what's about to happen in two seconds. But even if it was, maybe they would have edited this segment out. Of course, this was all before it was widely known that cigarettes were more or less death sticks. Yeah. <laughs> I like the guy in the background there, the native. He's just kind of like looking a little buzz, just gently yeah. smoking a cigarette. And the one guy next to the chief there, you look a bit high. <laughs> well, that's the one I was talking about. Oh, I thought you were talking about one that was sort of off to the right. Yeah. No, I was talking about the guy that was right next to the chief in the backdrop mm. there. And another guy just pulled out another cigarette from the pack. Boy, he went through that first one quickly. 
Now, the witch doctor here, um, again, I wish I knew his name, but we will end up seeing him several more times throughout the course of this Godzilla franchise. He is the old fisherman that um, talks to Yosuke Natsuki's character in Gita the Three-Headed Monster. He's the fisherman that would say he pulled up Princess Salno. Um from the water he also uh, his last role and i think ever certainly his last godzilla role was he played this old man that had a couple of scenes in terror mecha godzilla mm-hmm. he always kind of would bring about these uh, funny faces and and stuff i think he was also considered a, somewhat of a comedic actor yeah Frightened to death, and then it strikes his friend. Oh my god, it killed him! <laughs> I like how the little boy is looking up at the actress there, kind of like, Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? <laughs> King Kong's roar here will also be recycled in 1974 to use as King Caesar's roar. I did not realize that, to be honest. Uh huh. The more you know. In an alternative timeline of this movie, she celebrates the potential death of her fiancé. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am just messing around with you. <laughs> I figured you would be. <laughs> oh, good. Here's, here's one of our favorite uh, people in all of the, the Godzilla franchise cast. He calls himself a doctor, but boy, he's more ignorant than a donkey's ass. Dr. Mafune? No, Dr. <laughs> Arnold Johnson here. <laughs> you you say you are going to attempt, but you act uh, very pompous here, doctor. <laughs> Michael Key stares at the screen like, is this guy shitting me? Or like... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he had that sort of book before that he was hand, uh, holding up. I didn't have it, no. I've seen it before in real life, but I never owned it. Harry Holcomb here. <laughs> That completely ruins the original timeline of this franchise right there. <laughs> what was that? 
James Yagi's character is saying, "What well, you say, Godzilla's going to attack Japan. What makes you say that? And then Johnson says, fossils found in Japan resemble Godzilla. It's like, well, Godzilla was an ancient dinosaur, but he was mutated. To say that you have you know, fossils that resemble him would just be wrong because he underwent physical transformations when he got mutated. I probably would say the key word resemble. Dumbass. I wouldn't say exact. I guess you could say that, yeah, but I just don't like that character and I dislike him more with time. <laughs> it's like, hey, bitch ass punk. Such a cheap uh, set here because you can tell that United Nations flag is just pinned to a generic backdrop. And yeah. I bet it only took I wonder a few what hours. Michael Keith and I wonder what these guys thought, you know, when they came onto this and were more or less told, like, okay, this is what we're going to do here. Like, and if you notice, when Doctor Johnson was talking a couple minutes ago, you saw the monitors in the background. They mm-hmm. had static images of Faro Island, the submarine Seahawk and the satellite just so they could use for those quick second shots for transition purposes. They were not um, TVs that they actually had on and like telecasted a, even a photo. It was <laughs> basically just something pasted on the screen. <laughs> if they were even real monitors at all. <sighs> well, let's make it funny. Let's have him talk about his corns. Yeah, well, go to hell. <laughs> It's so funny because even the American, you know, Thomas Montgomery, who edited this whole thing together, um, you know, he cut out a lot of the satirical comic moments from the Japanese cut. And it's not really sure as to why. Uh, he, it, No one really knows if they cut them out because they thought maybe they weren't exciting or maybe the American audiences w- wouldn't get them or maybe they themselves didn't get them. But they cut out a lot of the comedic Japanese moments, and then they try inserting other random comedic moments by um, redoing the dub in certain parts. Mm-hmm. One of the most laughable moments in the entire franchise here. It's very obvious that's uh, just a large prop. Yeah. And then the one guy's laughing. <laughs> the one guy dressed as a native behind him was laughing. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Again, as I get older, just little things like that just annoy the hell out of me because it's it's so dumb and unnecessary. The corns. This isn't a Marvel movie, bud. You don't need to be hitting us over the head with the same joke 80 times. Hmm.
Shiro! A real octopus being used here. They would occasionally have to use a uh, hair dryer to sort of help direct the octopus into certain areas that they wanted it to go. <laughs> and of course, as probably most people have been a fan long enough, probably know that this poor sap, meaning the octopus, ended up getting eaten when his time for shooting was all done. Yeah. <laughs> Asian Superaya was always fascinated by octopi, and uh, you know he works with them quite frank, frank, <laughs> frequently. frequently. Um, he works with one here. He would work with one, not a real one though, all, uh, a prop. And Ultra Q, he would have a prop. And Frankenstein conquers the world. Um, he he really enjoyed. He was fascinated by it, and I think part of his fascination came from uh, the film. It came from beneath the sea, where the special effects stop motion, that is, were done by Ray Harryhausen. Mm -hmm. remember correctly is that the um, American edit of the film inserted kind of the gooey sound effects of the octopus here as far as the blue screen effect here it, it didn't quite age well no, um, but this was before they had one of those, um, and I forget what it was. They didn't have have it until the following uh, couple of years with Mothra versus Godzilla. Um, Disney had it at the time. It was um, some sort of a special effects. Yeah, I think piece I think, of equipment. I forget what it was called. Um, a rotos. But Toho not, had not it. rotoscope. But uh, but, but yeah. There were only two studios in the world at the time that I had it. it yeah. Disney and Toho. Eiji Tsuburaya basically told Toho, look, you need to buy this thing. Like, you have to. And Toho did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, if, if it makes our movies look better, then let's do it. Yeah. The thing is, though, you know, sure, this hasn't aged well, but for the time it was considered groundbreaking. And they, you know, they did still do a damn good job of trying. I mean, they, it still looks, I would be okay with this if I was making my own film. I'm like, well, this is what I got to work with. Yeah, it's not perfect, but, you know. And the one thing that I noticed, too, is that when the camera actually moves for the octopus, but the villagers are still, like, standing in their yeah. places. <laughs> I mean, again, nothing's perfect, but, you know. Uh. 
this um it's i've always found it interesting that toho had the license for kong for five years but for whatever reason they only made two films involving kong and here um the, we have the suit most notorious for more or less being underwhelming, uh, especially in the head. And the fact, too, that you would have obvious arm extensions in certain segments How as ever, well. However, I would say that the head on this one is better than the King Kong Escapes one. Oh, well... No, I disagree. Um, I think that one's better, and I think the suit on that one is better too because uh, that particular suit sort of bulks up the shoulder and upper back area. It makes it look more gorilla-like. The only thing – the only real complaint I have about that suit – and again, I'm not saying it's perfect. It is far from perfect, but it's a step up from this in my opinion. But when – that particular Kong suit in 67 gets in the water. That suit is a mess. It begins to oh, sag yeah. and begins to contour to the suit actor's body. Oh, yeah. You can, you would definitely tell when it comes to that point. But yeah, I'm trying to find if there's any information as to why they uh, Toho had the character for five years licensed, but <laughs> only used him twice. I want to see if there's anything behind the scenes with it. But yeah, during the pre-production, uh, Super I had toyed with uh, about using the stop-motion technique instead of the suitmation mm -hmm. process. Although we do get some uh, stop-motion later on in the film. But we do, yeah. It's a very brief, like, second or two. Yeah. That's the only time that we get to see stop motion in the film. The only piece of original Ifukube music that survived the American edit right here. This segment, I think, goes on just a tad bit longer than it should. Yeah, I would just say maybe just show at least a minute of this and then show the other guys that they were talking before it fades out. 
Yeah. That's what you were hired to do. It's a stupid idea, but that's what you were brought there to do. (laughs) (laughs) I would have liked to have seen the segment in terms of how they built that large raft and then somehow like dragged Kong onto it because you know that's just (laughs) oh here we go you just lost all credibility (laughs) I think he lost credibility long ago (laughs) he lost credibility the moment he walked through that door since the early days because I remember watching this when I was a kid and I was just thinking to myself like this guy is a dumbass (laughs) well I remember when we even when we first saw this movie gosh what was it like 93 or whenever when this moment came up you and I looked at each other and we kind of gave each other this like what the hell is he talking about kind of look like (laughs) this guy's nuts like what is he dumb I also like with the new movie coming up that they do take some of the elements from this movie similar to what they're doing for Godzilla vs. Khan. Yeah, I'm glad, though, that they're not going to redo it because then you're talking about a comedy. It's like so many of us wanted a more epic film. And look, I'm not going to, you know, cry in my soup. I mean, it was great. 
being able to find this and watch this growing up as a kid. But I do remember as a child, even after the first time I saw this, while I was excited to see it and I enjoyed it, I still there was a part of me that sadly felt a tad underwhelmed just because I was expecting something to be more grand. And one of the things that is so disappointing about this film is that you have very little urban destruction and any urban destruction that takes place is done singularly by the kaiju. We never have uh, either Kong or Godzilla in their two battles together just fight in an urban area. The closest we come is that castle right at the end of the film. And while it's a great set piece, it's still very underwhelming because they, they fight in the rural areas in both of their fights. And it's just always been, I thought, one of the more disappointing things about um, the film. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing that I thought about many, many years ago. I think when uh, Final Wars uh, sort of kind of brought the Japanese version of Godzilla to a whole, I was imagining my head that uh, they would do something pretty epic with Godzilla. And heck, we got the legendary MonsterVerse and and way before that, I thought about it leading up to like at least having a rematch of Khan and Godzilla, and, <laughs> and sure, sure, shooting, we're getting it. <laughs> so you can say it's a dream come true of mine a little bit. Yeah, now we're finally getting the rematch after all these years. Oh, a waste of good food there. Damn it. <laughs> Quick, 10 second rule. <laughs> Hurry up. Yes, do go see Godzilla. That slap. (laughs) (laughs) This one's another great miniature. With the train out in the countryside. Yeah, I mean, you got great cut sequences between the real thing and then the miniature. Yeah, and then you have a river just going right along uh, the train set. I mean, just the minor details. It's pretty dang good. It says map of Japan. That doesn't look like it's all that updated. (laughs) 
It's Hokkaido, not Hokkaido. <laughs> Get your pronunciation straight. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> Hokkaido, damn it. Everyone stay calm. <laughs> <laughs> I said stay calm, smacks me. <laughs> Kicking the groin. Get out of my way. Throw him through the window. <laughs> That'd probably be more exciting than some of the other things that happen in the movie. Again, and a lot of it, I think, is just because I grew up with this movie. The stock music being used, in my opinion, tends to fit most of the time. Mm -hmm. Like the uh, the music that was used. Uh, shoot. <laughs> no, I'm forgetting. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Kent. Um, let's see here. Uh, Kenji Sahara's character was uh, driving along that uh, cliffside there. That music I really like. And then here, too. Get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> Move, bitch. Get out the way. Get out the way, bitch. Move. <laughs> Keep it going. Come in. Keep it going. And that'd be funny if he just after a second goes, huh, okay. <laughs> just turns around. Yeah, his loss. <laughs> Not mine. <laughs> I always thought for the longest time when I was a kid, I, I thought he said, you'll, you'll fall. Come back, you'll fall. <laughs> yeah. Stop, and then Kenji Sahara gets fall. out of the car and is on solid ground. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> the guy was right. <laughs> I did fall. <laughs> Tripped. <laughs> Bugs bunny. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Are you all right? Yeah. And then he smacks her head multiple times up against that boulder. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like I talked about before we came on the air, if I followed through on so many of the things that I said I would do or could do I would have no friends <laughs> my family would disown me good <laughs> except you because you're like the only one who gets me <laughs> and of course this scene like many water sequences and many of Toho's uh, tokusatsu films, namely kaiju films, took place in the, what was called the giant pool on uh, the the studio grounds. There, the backdrops were always wonderfully painted. And uh, sadly, what was it here? Gosh, it was um, sometime between twenty. I want to say between 2012, 2014. Do not quote me on that, by the way. Uh, Toho uh, filled in the pool, and the pool is no longer there. Yeah, I just want to check over uh, over at Google Maps here and just kind of see if they and I'm guessing that they've already updated. Oh, that ain't it. Oh, there it is. Yeah, from what I'm seeing where it is, according to Google Maps, it's still, like, just dirt as of right now. Still a dirt plot of land. Yeah, because um, my understanding was that pool already by like I think mid-late 90s was already just um, in poor shape. I don't think Toho necessarily did a, a great job with upkeep and it was more or less unusable yeah, after a I period think, of time. Yeah, because I think they mentioned about that when they were doing Godzilla versus Bailane. Well, my understanding is that, um, yeah, I mean, it was already in pretty rough shape, you know, by the time the Heisei rolled around. Uh, but I think it was still in use. All uh, the, you know, um, I think they were able to use it even all through the Millennium Era uh, films. And then odd number of years after that, like I said, don't quote me on when they filled it in, but I thought it's been within the last like eight to 10 years. I could be wrong. Maybe they got rid of it a lot sooner, but maybe Jason can Google that up like Toho pool or something like <laughs> <laughs> it gives you a resort you. or something. Uh, 
So here we are coming up on the first confrontation, the Kong suit with the arm extensions. It looks a little wonky, but it, you know, I go with it. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll get uh, the first clackety clack of Godzilla's four limbs here in a couple minutes as well. I will say, despite the fact that I complain that there aren't any urban clashes between these two in this film, uh, this is a wonderful set. This first battle, anyways, is really cool because it's not like a flat ground or dirt, like more or less what you get in the final battle. Here you got a wonderfully painted backdrop. You have sort of a small hill or mountain. Godzilla has the higher ground. This is beautifully done. Uh, I will say this is beautiful to look at, whereas the final battle, you have like outside of the castle, you have maybe one area, which is very early in the fight in which they fight in some sort of a pit. That's kind of cool, but um, more or less that final battle in terms of its setting is just so ridiculously dull. This one's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can obviously tell with this com version, he doesn't have the long extens- extended arms. Oh, my beautiful fur. I wonder what gorilla tastes like. <laughs> God. <laughs> clack, clack, clack. I, I just, I think that's so cool. I mean, it's just something so small, but yet iconic enough and just adds to the personality. And of course, now you've got the extended arms on this version. Someone needs to wake up Dr. Arnold Johnson there. I'm just reading my newspapers. Trying to keep up with the times. (laughs) Anybody got any Theraflu? (laughs) I remember both you and I, like, drank that stuff quite a bit when we were kids. That we drank was, it as we were sick. We didn't do it recreationally. I want everybody to know that. <laughs> but that stuff was pretty good, though. Yeah, I, I think the last time I used it was um, a couple of years ago. It's been years for me. I don't get sick as often anymore. Um, um, yeah, I've, I've uh, rarely... because I'm a stay-at-home, you know spouse and stuff so I'm not around people as often I've I don't rarely, like people anyway no. <laughs> I mean I've rarely gotten sick for many many years now, I the, get some only colds and stuff that's about it yeah they'll, the only times would be like the seasonal changes and stuff like seasonal allergies but even last year where I would usually get it during March and October last year I'd never even gotten it and heck, so far I haven't 
even gotten it here too. I will say here what we get um, um, with this miniature set too, this is spectacular miniature set as well. And they do a very good job of blending that with the live action footage as well. Mm -hmm. Segments of this movie, even though this movie came before it, it, it still reminds me occasionally of films like War of the Gargantuas where you have uh, good swaths of that movie being held in areas similar to what you see here. And yeah, pouring gasoline out in a natural area. Yeah, that's that's environmentally friendly. <laughs> well, gas is from the earth, so <laughs> still part of it. I understand that, but it's just not, you know. <laughs> you know. It'd been funny if, like, one of the guys tried to throw <laughs> one guy it. dropped it on himself. <laughs> well, it like it just went out of his hand before he tried to throw it. <laughs> like a whiff, you know, you throw someone a ball and you whiff it intentionally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but then it like falls on his head or something. And it's like ah. ah! <laughs> I don't think that fire there in that scene was real. I think that was composite shot. It looked like it in that moment anyways. Well, when it started, uh, it was yeah, composite. It's not there now. Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> Where'd all that wood come from? I don't remember them putting wood in there. <laughs> There's just some things you just don't need to know. So <laughs> some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> Bastards, you tried killing me. <laughs> she looks like she's just tracing back there, like she's not doing anything legitimately helpful. Am I doing this right? He's like just testing her out because she's bored as shit. <laughs> it's like, just, just get away. <laughs> I bet that was an easy paycheck. Like, I bet it took no more than a day and a half to two days for them to do these scenes. I wouldn't doubt it. That's the reason why I was saying earlier with the set when you were talking about it, that it felt like that they only took maybe a few hours just to set it up. Oh, yeah. Like, it just... And especially with this yeah. set right here with this guy, all it is in the background is just a bunch of curtains <laughs> like in uh, Super Monster Gamera. <laughs> Well, 
and that his secretary, I'm assuming that's his secretary because she more or less acts like one. You know, I wonder, I'm more curious as to what her paycheck was for this. Like, was it even remotely halfway decent? You know, just, I, I would be curious to see what her I, paycheck was. I would honestly would have to say probably somewhere around a few or several thousand. Really? You think that much? I mean, well, and especially with the back in those days in the early 60s. Okay, so you're approached and, you know, someone's redoing a, a kaiju movie and you're more your your role is more or less similar to that gals where you're just in it for just a couple quick seconds you you're not doing much and you're told by the uh, American editing director that you're going to get paid 100 bucks for your time and they're saying it's going to take maybe 1 to 2 days max to film your scenes would you do it if it's 100 bucks if it's 100 bucks but you will forever be in an edited kaiju movie <laughs> that if, probably will get just, sort of shat if, on by as <laughs> lawn that in the end that they didn't cut my like few seconds out i still would say no i think i would do it <laughs> I, I would be like okay look a hundred bucks yeah that's not enough money but I'm not doing much. I love kaiju. I'm forever in an edition of a kaiju movie that, yeah, most American fans will probably spit upon. But maybe some of the younger fans will have some fondness for it. Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the guy who dubbed the American ship captain on Seahawk is the same guy who does Jun Tazaki's general here. Mm-hmm. I always thought those, uh, you know, three-wheeled vehicles were kind of cool, but then it's like you can't take sharp turns, otherwise you're screwed. Like the bicycles? No, they're like the cars. You got the one wheel in the front and two in the back. They're like oh. pickup trucks. Oh yeah. I think they're still actually using those uh, trucks over in Japan. This is something as a kid I thought was stupid, and I still think it is now, although because I'm older and I've seen this movie enough times, I just go with it. But this whole thing about Kong gaining strength from electricity and being able to discharge it, um, it more or less is a conceit that – Kong by himself doesn't necessarily stand a chance against Godzilla. Mm -hmm. And I just, man, I, I just, I really, I mean, to me, this doesn't make or break the film. I just think it's, it, it's so obvious that they're saying, okay, by himself, he can't handle Godzilla. So we got to come up with something really wild ass crazy. Um, it just, mm, it's just something like that bugs me because it makes it seem like the fight is never really fair. Mm -hmm. 
And I would and say, and you get with, a random lightning storm at the end of the film too. That just, <laughs> and I would say, with this upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong movie, it it's feels like that Khan has at least a decent chance, especially with the acts that he has. Yeah, but to me, that's also sort of a conceit as well. It's yeah. not, it's not crazy. It's not crazy ass like the the electricity, but it's still sort of a mild conceit. I'm starting to get more terrified of that film the closer we get. Jeez. <laughs> I just have this bad feeling that once again Kong's going to be made out to be the victor. It's like for once I want someone with the cojones to be like, no, he gets fried. Godzilla wins. Deal with it. <laughs> Everybody's like, well, we, we, we connect more with Kong. He's a primate. We're primates. He expresses, you know, he's similar to us. It's just like... Yeah, fuck that. Like, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a goofy face there. (laughs) Darling. Don't scream. I won't hurt you. Little twinkle in his eye. I won't hurt you. (laughs) (laughs) Smack like an insect. (laughs) Mosquito. Sony. I wonder if that's product placement. They kind of hid the end behind the tree there. I don't know if Sony would be happy. But the end was behind the tree. down <laughs> screw your sister shoot <laughs> she, she dies I cannot be defeated <laughs> it was her own damn fault <laughs> it's her fault she got caught she shouldn't have been next to the train door when it opened <laughs> dumb broad <laughs> Women, I tell you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Funny. That con- is sort of one thing about this story. Uh, in the Japanese edit, it's better where uh, Mihama and this other gal they have uh, slightly more prominent roles. Um. In the film, uh, the the thing is, though, still sadly, it is a movie that is very male dominated. Although I guess you could say that the the island gal trying to save her son was sort of a big deal. But then again, though, too, like it had that stereotypical damsel in distress type of thing going. 
Fumiko's up there. Yeah, well, again, like the general said, it's her own damn fault. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I want an alternate reality where just these movies are altered in such a way where you just are like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Maybe we could do uh, alternate dubbing. Do a, do our own version of Rift Tracks. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so bossy. be funny upon when the first time he hits one of the drums he breaks his hand and like you get like a couple of bones sticking out of his hand he's like who can play the drums uh, it's just a minor flesh wound <laughs> and then he starts playing and he's like hmm doesn't sound the same <laughs> it's more like <laughs> like it's just like you know, like taking a steak and slapping it on a drum. Oh, it just God. sounds all fleshy. And <laughs> it's amazing how within a span of just a few minutes, they were able to get enough Soma Berry juice insert it into those rocket heads and launch them. But then again, you know, it's a movie. And it's a movie about a giant ape and lizard that shoots fire. So, you know, if I'm going to complain about that, then there's something really wrong with me. (laughs) Yeah, fool. (laughs) I do like the facial expressions here. And obviously it's mainly in the eyes, but it's... Outside of when he had has starry eyes over Fumiko, this scene here where he's kind of dozing off is is the most expressive this Kong suit gets in the entire film. Mm-hmm. He always kind of looks like though he's stuck his finger in a light socket. He's kind of got that you know hair sticking up in the front, you know, do going on. <laughs> Oh no. Taxpayers are going to have to pay for that. <laughs> you know, when you think about it sometimes all these monster battles and stuff in in uh Tokyo, I bet taxes in Tokyo end up becoming so astronomically high. It's amazing that people even live there after a while. <laughs> well, no, I think that they have this uh consumption tax every year or every month I think that almost sounds like you you know kind of like you're paying your regular electric bill like you're paying for what you use Mm -hmm. and the funny thing that when they do pay their bills they have to go to the convenience store to and then there's this kind of a kiosk where they pay it or you can go up to the cashier and have them pay for it even in the age of the internet they have to do that yep 
Thank God for the post office and internet uh, ability to just have automatic withdrawals. <laughs> that would drive me nuts, especially in an age of COVID, though, too. Like, I'm not going to go pay my bill and get infected for that. <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. And then you come back. <laughs> like your face is all red and got an eye hanging out or something. <laughs> and this thought, th th this part always came off a bit goofy to me as well, using his wire. Um, to take conning and then using balloons. Um, again, I understand. Look, again, this is a comedy film, the first and really only comedic Godzilla movie. And I don't know if this was genuinely made, this sequence anyways. If this, And of course, look, somehow they magically mass-produced his wire within yeah. a span of two seconds. So there's another boo-boo there. But like, This looks like regular rope to me. Yeah, but I don't know if this was supposed to be funny as well, where they're like, oh, yeah, the, the crazy inventor's wire, along with balloons, is going to lift up Kong and help transport him to Mount Fuji. Like, um, it's not played to be funny, this sequence, though. And that's what makes me more serious in terms of my critique about it uh, because it's ridiculous and dumb. Like, you know, my suspension of disbelief only goes so far. And um, again, they missed an incredible opportunity to where they could have written the story where he uh, is sleeping and then Godzilla just so happens to come in the area and then you could have your urban battle that starts off right there at the Diet Building. Mm-hmm. But then again, though, too, I would hate to be the soldiers who had to crawl underneath Kong uh, to get that rope. But then again, though, too, we're never told how that happened. So, <laughs> plot hole. <laughs> it's a long time waiting there. That one guy is animated there. <laughs> He's sort of dissolving under the balloon. I would say, like, even though the, the movie is sort of crazy but uh i still like the miniatures in in this movie especially around the national diet building
what we get coming up here, yeah, this cityscape scene here uh, was not part of the Japanese film. If I remember correctly, anyways, it's not. Very beautiful, regardless. Yeah. Someone's typing with a purpose. Those were some mildly big holes in Godzilla's neck. You're giving away the secrets, <laughs> trade secrets. Now you're going to have to get shot. Well, I think everyone knows at this point. I can't believe we were at this point already in the film. Well, it is a 90, 91 minute film. And I think roughly 15 to 20 minutes of the Japanese film was cut. And then, of course, you have the reworkings, you know, the refilming with the Michael Keith, Harry Holcomb, and James Yagi, uh, their scenes. So. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to what they did with Godzilla 1985. That was an hour and 45-minute film. And I think they said like 30 or so minutes of that film was cut. And that one was like a 91-minute film too, the American cut. This one was an hour 40. They cut out like 15, 20 minutes mm -hmm. of it roughly. <laughs> Got a bit cocky there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> like what look, look what you did, you jerk. <laughs> look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of like this, even though it's more or less a hugging match, it's a very good little hand-to-hand -hand combat moment. Again, I can't stress enough just how wonderful that, that clapping is. It just adds another personality dimension to the character. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I can't tell who's winning to you. And he grabs the back of his head, smashes up against the window where his nose is flat up against the window. He's like, you see now, punk? <laughs> I'm gonna throw this thing so hard that whoops <laughs> my own body weight. <laughs> Jeez, can't you're so mean. It's like, you're too serious. Get off your high horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have some fun with these. I love these movies. One way you can have fun with these movies is yeah, have a little fun poking at them. <laughs> Cowpoke. <laughs> Kong with his beer belly. Mm. Here we're going to get that stop motion animated sequence here in just a second. Alley-oop. And there you have it. Godzilla wins. <laughs> that boulder right there should have crushed his chest. <laughs> like that's that's game set a match right there. And a couple of boulders smack him in the face. Oh, there's one. <laughs> and this is a reap of what happened a second ago except up close and personal boom should have lost a couple of teeth had a bloody nose and oh concussion <laughs> why isn't there blood coming out of his forehead he really hit that one rock hard good yeah, just some random lightning storm. Yeah, Bra bravo. Bravo. Wonderful story. It looks just... pretty clear and sunny to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, and just the fact that this lightning storm lasts just long enough to electrocute him and then, you know, power him up just a tad bit more after the fact and then it's done, you know. And as well as burning up the forest there. <laughs> it's an absolute conceit that the storytelling just wasn't good for giving a legitimate reason of having Kong uh, be competitive. Yeah. And again, I understand this is a comedy, but I don't think this particular battle here is played off as one. Sure, the, for the first time ever, the, the monsters are treated like wrestlers, and in the Japanese version, they're even more or less uh, the, the term wrestling comes up a couple of times but come on <laughs> and and again i love these movies guys just settle down i do love these movies but y you can't tell me that there aren't you know at least some issues with this <laughs> yeah But 
I would say at the same time, it can be a guilty pleasure just watching these. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, look, you're talking to a guy who looks at the 67 Yongari as a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I, I mean, I fully admit, I mean, we talked about the flaws of that movie when we discussed it. I don't even know if we've done a commentary on it or not, but um, I, I would, think we might have. I honestly um, would say that we did recently. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that movie I find ridiculously hilarious because it is so wacky and stupid in parts. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love it. <laughs> it's a film that on the one hand will occasionally take itself seriously and then on the other hand realizes it's pretty dumb too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to double check. I'm pretty sure we did it, but I'm going to double check yeah, here. Now, now that I think about it, I think we did. Because I remember doing a uh, featured image theme for the website last year. Oops, a doodle. <laughs> That's similar to the shoulder uh, push off of the aircraft carrier in the new new film <laughs> yep we must have because it's not on the list here we probably did I wonder how long it took them to build that castle <laughs> I sort of swear that uh, someone at G-Fest one year that they mentioned something about this uh, tower that both Godzilla and Khan destroy. And no, folks, there are no two endings to this movie. It's the one, except that in the American edit, Godzilla's roar is edited out. <laughs> That's it. But according to Toho, from what I've read, that they said that Khan is the victor. Yeah. According I mean, to them. Yeah, I... I think they're full of bananas. And then this here, I think this is from the Mysterians. This footage. Yes, right it here. is from the Mysterians. Yep. That is a great set of miniatures and how they destroyed that, though. I mean, that that is always brilliant. It got used several times uh, over the course of, of uh, different Toho Tokusatsu films. And rightfully so. But yeah, you can see that that suit, when it comes out of the water, just does not look good. Well, the you can't really tell it's too it's far enough away. But the one in '67, who boy. <laughs> Oh, 
And that is it. And that is the American edit of 1963's King Kong versus Godzilla. So now that we've gone through it for you, Jason, for the first time in quite a while, uh, some closing thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, after uh, seeing it here after a couple of years, it does seem a little goofy at times. Uh, some of the visuals or the the match screen has been you know outdated or hasn't really aged well but the miniature sets i would have to say they seem a lot better looking after like closely looking at a few of them especially the uh the national diet area but it just also felt sort of a waste that they didn't use those in the final bout between Godzilla and Khan, where they had the majority of their fights in uh, basically in Mount Fuji, and then although towards the end they did destroy a few buildings here and there, and uh, famously the uh, the castle there before going into the ocean, but uh, otherwise I think it's still an okay movie. Uh, I think they could have done a little bit better with it. Yeah, um, this is a film that I think I've said just a couple times throughout the course of the commentary. It's fine. It's okay. Um, Even as a kid, when I walked away from it, while I was happy to have watched it and to have owned it, uh, I was a little underwhelmed by it. Um, But to me, that doesn't make it a bad film. It's just that there seems to be higher expectations. And those expectations, unfortunately, didn't necessarily leave me because when I was a kid, I didn't know, um, you know, all this stuff uh, about the fact that you know, had it heavily edited and, and the fact that it was meant to be a comedy and, and all that stuff. I didn't know that at the time. All I had were the, yeah. the films themselves. And um, I, I remember walking away from it. I was like, you know, and, you know, I was what, eight, eight or so at the time when I saw this. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. Yeah, but I was expecting a tad more again, like I said a couple of times uh, throughout the commentary, I was expecting something that, um, had more urban destruction in it, especially at least one fight, mainly the final battle between the two within Tokyo or, or some urban area. And you don't really get that at all. And and like I said earlier, there's very little urban destruction, period, in this movie. The, the biggest urban destruction you get is when Kong kind of goes through Tokyo, destroys a few buildings, climbs a diet building, and then ends up getting transported to Mount Fuji here for the end. Um, that's that's the really the major urban sequence you get in this entire film, which uh, sadly is, is disappointing, considering that the fact that this was before um, Toho and, and all the theaters and, and studios and all that were starting to get uh, bombarded by losing uh, ticket sales because of the advent of television coming into Japan uh, and all that, you really thought that there was going to be uh, sort of a bigger budget for that. And, um, you know, it just, it's, 
it's fun. I do. I, I don't hate the film. I but I don't love it. It's fine. Um, the American edit is fine. Uh, mm. I, I know a lot of people hate it. I don't because I grew up with it, so I do have that nostalgia bias coming into this thing. Um, the Japanese version is a lot better. You do get better character development. You do get a better sense of why characters are doing what they're doing. Um, is that a great film too? No, not really. I mean, by and large, there are very few differences between the fights. Uh, the first fights actually are the same. The final battles are slightly tweaked, but it's not that noticeable. Mm. So it's not like the kaiju confrontations are different. Uh, the biggest difference with the kaiju between the, the American edit and the Japanese edit is Godzilla's initial attack on that military base. That is handled a lot differently in the Japanese edit than it is here. Otherwise, everything from the kaiju standpoint is more or less the same um so it's fine uh, i i think if i were to to rank these films they're kind of going to more or less be smack dab in the middle with the japanese one just slightly higher it is a slightly better film with with better depth to it with its characters and its story because all, all of that by and large was cut out of this american edit so um it's fine it's a fine film i do visit it maybe once a year once every year and a half it's it's a guilty pleasure fun film far from perfect uh, but it's fine mm -hmm. yeah well other than that i can't think of uh, anything else no and here <laughs> very shortly now we are now officially entering where we're going to be covering 2021's Godzilla versus Kong material. Uh, we will be covering. Let me pull up the official dates here. So April 3rd, we are having a podcast where we are actually going to discuss uh, Godzilla versus Kong. And then April 17th, we are going to have a commentary on the film as well. So that. And that will be the be interesting as well. And after the seventeenth episode, that's going to be our last one until we premiere Daikaiju Fest. Exactly. In July. Yes. Yes, because after April seventeenth, we are going to be working diligently on trying to put together Daikaiju Fest. We need this time to uh, research and record and just put together material. We have a very extensive lineup for you that may potentially get bigger, uh, even though it's already big. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I, it's going to be exciting and, and I'm really um, I've already gotten a, a couple of things wrapped up and finished I'm excited about all this so um, again Daikaiju Fest 2021 like last year is free and this year I think it's going to be better than last year's because first and foremost we got more time and second of all I think we just did a better job of thinking up of things as well <laughs> <laughs> well we but, did well I know you and I talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it just sort of ended up into a path to where I think the majority of the time we're going to be discussing both you and I at the same time and at least maybe have one or two uh, videos just sort of have our solo thing, and that's about it. 
Well, and I think, you know, nothing has been brought up yet. And part of that is because it's sort of a surprise right now. We do have, I think, a really good lineup. Of, of panels. Although uh, you, did mention, you did mention what you were going to be doing. I did mention a couple things, yes. I did, yeah. But I think that's pretty important, and I think it's obvious. It is the year of Godzilla battling Kong, and so why not? And like I said, I, I'm going to pimp at least one of those things uh, <laughs> up here because I – I'm very proud of what I did uh, did there, and so I really encourage people uh, to come check us out for Daikaiju Fest. It's it's going to be a, a great fest, free and all that. Um, you know, it's it's us uh, talking about uh, various topics. Again, I don't want to give away too much uh, because I sort of want it to be a bit of a surprise when the time, <laughs> excuse me, comes. But. Um, yeah, I, I think this year is going to be better than last year's, and I'm very proud of of what we come up with, and I'm very proud of, of just some of the things I've already done just to get get ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so I think other than that, I think we're ready to close out the commentary. All right, and uh, just before we head out, uh, if you like what we're doing, just uh, hit the subscribe button below as well as the bell notification to uh, get the latest uh, up-to-date uh, information on what we're doing and uh, you can follow us at the, uh, the social medias uh, there you can uh, follow us on our website at uh, daikaijunetwork.com as well as you can see down below you can watch us on uh, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook uh, Periscope and DLive and we've got our own uh, audio version of the podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts Spotify, Tune. Uh, iHeartRadio and tune in as well in you can also watch us live on our daikajunetwork.com website uh, right there so uh, if you don't have anything else I'll close this out with the theme song and the uh, thanks for watching Cam yeah thank you guys so much for watching and we will see you guys here in a couple of weeks when we get down to the nitty gritty of the long anticipated Godzilla vs. Kong <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone.